Y'all look in the fifth chapter of Matthew with me then. Tonight we do want to summarize the Lord's Sermon on the Mount together. Uh, as we're gathered together in the body of Christ tonight, it's appropriate that we ask ourselves a question that is unique. Why is a unique group of people, those with different talents, different gifts, different personalities, all gathered up together in what we call the church? What's God doing among us? That's the question that we need to ask, and that's the question that Jesus answers tonight when he sat on that mount and preached that sermon. The words of the Sermon on the Mount will help you and I to understand that question that we're asking. Lord Jesus challenges you and I to think a different way about what it means to be a church. He presents a few ideals about what the kingdom of God is all about and what we're all about in that kingdom of God. The audience to whom he spoke this sermon to thought that they knew all there was to know about God. After all, they were Jews. After all, they had the law. After all, they had all the traditions of the elders to take care of them. So the Lord Jesus' sermon on the brown on the mount addressed those issues for those Jewish people. And guess what? They address our issues today today. By the these gifts of God to these folks, see, have become the thing that they went after rather than the gods of the gift. He's telling them that their place they were to be and what he, he was wanting to do with his people in this world. So let's look at some things tonight in a summary of the whole Sermon on the Mount. We're just going to look at some scripture tonight. But let's look at some of the things the Lord Jesus wants us today to learn about the kingdom of God and about his church Let's look at three areas. First of all, let's look at Jesus Christ as the king. Secondly, let's look at the kingdom of God itself. And thirdly, how God has called you and I to respond to the message from King Jesus that we call the Sermon on the Mount. First of all, let's look at what the Sermon on the Mount teaches us about Jesus as our king. I want to highlight three themes that Jesus talks about here in the Sermon on the Mount about himself. First of all, he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In other words, every word that's written in the Old Testament is written about Jesus or concerning Jesus' ministry. When the Lord Jesus opened the Beatitudes, you know, those, you'll be blessed if you do this, you'll be blessed if you do that. When he opened the Beatitudes, he, he talked about the characteristics of what exemplified the people of the kingdom of God. And he associated each one of them with a reward or a blessing. There, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. 
they will inherit the earth. They lo the longing of the soul will be met. They will receive mercy. They shall see God. They shall be called the sons and daughters of God. These are the blessings that the people listened to the sermon on the mount longed to see. They longed for Israel to be restored to the, the greatness that they felt that they deserved to be. Because, after all, they were the people of God. But the Lord approached the kingdom of God in a totally different way. Look with me in chapter 5, verse 17, as Jesus explains his ministry to them. Chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. With that one statement, he calls for the people to reorient their thinking. What is the central of the life? The law itself was. But Jesus says to them, all of the laws and all the words written by the prophets are summed up and fulfilled in me. Now that was a very bold and very brash statement on the part of our Savior Jesus Christ when he addressed the Jews that way. You can almost hear them go, huh? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? Were you paying attention to what he said? The Lord Jesus is proclaiming to them and to us that he is the object of loyalty. He is the one to be worshipped. And the law and the traditions of the elders and the ethnics of their group count for nothing. Jesus is the one who deserves all our loyalty. He is the one whom God has put all trust and all judgment into his hands. He is the one who fulfills all of God's promises and all of God's plans. Secondly, King Jesus proclaims himself to be the interpreter of the law. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the crowd stood amazed, and they said this about Jesus. No one teaches like this guy with that kind of authority. He teaches with authority. We see the Lord Jesus proclaiming himself to be the true interpreter of the law, and its intent throughout chapter 5. There we find a series of teachings that the scholars call antitheses. In other words, Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said so-and-so, but I say this. Let's look at an example. Look at chapter 5, verse 43. And we'll read through verse 48. Chapter 5. Verse 43. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, you shall love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you, 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For I make, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those we if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? After all, the tax collectors can do that. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do that others don't do? Do not even tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect. Wow. You shall be perfect. Just as your heavenly Father is perfect. What a goal. Boy, he sets the bar high, doesn't he? You shall be perfect. A lot of preachers will get, try to get around that. But it's a pretty word. What does perfect mean? Perfect. It means perfect. Without spot, without blemish. That's a lofty goal for us, isn't it? No wonder they were saying, huh? <laughs> yeah. what, what's he talking about? You know, this makes no difference. Don't make no sense to me. The Lord Jesus is saying, don't focus on the minute details of the law so that you can please yourself. But rather, reflect the heart of God towards everybody. We are to move from selfish living to sacrificial living. And King Jesus is the sole interpreter and the Lord of the law. And open your heart to that fact. Thirdly, in the Sermon on the Mount, he reveals himself as the Lord of everything, as the Lord of all. He calls, himself, he calls this to be to in a different kind of kingdom. Remember the blessings that we talked about before? Remember those things called the Beatitudes? Israel was trying to achieve the end goal through political and resistance to the overhead. In other words, they wanted Rome to go away. And let us be the people of a great nation once again. But King Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom of political might. Aren't you glad? King Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Established by his kingship. People of the kingdom are described as people who are poor in spirit. In other words, those that recognize they're bankrupt. Those who mourn. Those who are gentle. Those who are hunger, who are hungry and thirst after righteousness. Those who are merciful. Those who are pure in heart. Those who are peacemakers. They shall inherit the kingdom of God. They shall be in the kingdom of God. Of God. The Lord Jesus concludes this sermon with yet another radical statement. Look with me in chapter 7, verse 21. Chapter 7, verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And this is the saddest scripture and the saddest word Jesus ever said right here. And then I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. King Jesus is a final interpreter of every heart of everyone who ever lived. King Jesus is a final interpreter of every heart. He will sit in judgment over the hearts and intents of everyone who ever lived. The Lord's kingdom is that which one day will preside with him as the final judge to judge the heart and intent of everybody who belongs to his kingdom and everybody who misses his kingdom. He is the king of kings, lord of lords, and the judge of judges. So let's look at a second area. Let's look at the kingdom of God a minute. Obviously, the kingdom has a king who has his own agenda that we have to do. The problem with kingdom people is that they're more comfortable living under their own agenda than Jesus' agenda. From time to time, folks, we need to stop and think about whose life we're living. Are we living an agenda for ourselves? Are we living under Jesus' lordship and his kingship in our life? Are we carrying out his agenda in our life? So, if we're going to do King Jesus' agenda, we need to know what it is, don't you think? It's found here in the Sermon on the Mount. First of all, the kingdom of God is simply absolute sovereign rule of God throughout the whole universe. God is the creator. God is the one who runs the universe. He keeps the earth turning, the sun moving. He does it all. And folks, I'm going to tell you something you may not know. He's God and you're not. He's God and I ain't. We need to say that pretty regular. I do. Because every once in a while I think I can do what I want to do. And I can hear God giggling up there. He's God. I'm not God. And if I'm going to be a part of His kingdom, I must learn that. He is the one in control. His son, King Jesus, is the Lord of the kingdom. And we owe all of our loyalty and all of our worship to Him. Under the banner of the sovereignty of God, the Sermon on the Mount lays out two broad categories. First category, we are to love God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our might, and with all our mind. We are to love God. 
Under the banner of the sovereignty of God, the Sermon on the Mount lays out two broad categories. We must love God with our whole heart. The theme we talked about in, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, well, you'll recall that the Lord Jesus reviewed three of the most important spiritual disciplines of the Jews. Giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Those are the things he, is, he, he dealt with in chapter 1, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Each one of those, the Lord Jesus warned not to do as the hypocrites do. For they seek the honor of men. And if you do that, you'll get what you want. You'll be honored by men, but you will get nothing from God. And that is such an easy trap to fall into. Can I get a witness? It's an easy trap to fall into. We all want people to think we're good old boys. Everybody thinks, I want everybody to think I'm a wonderful Christian and I can walk on water if it's got rocks under it. We all want to be felt good by other people. But Jesus says we take, we give, we pray, and we fast for our spiritual health. For building our faith. Otherwise we're wasting our effort. It means when we grow in faith. We bring the glory to God for that. Another broad calling for you and I. Out of this Sermon on the Mount is. We have to love each other. We're to love each other. That's the Lord's explanation of what the law is all about isn't it? That we learn to love each other. We express our love for God by loving each other. Because the people shall know, Jesus said, the people shall know that you're my disciple. How? That you love one another. Love means I'm willing to deny my agenda and my needs. To take care of your needs. It means that I will love you just like I love Jesus. We must forget ever. And, oh, let me remind you. Jesus says we got to love our enemies too. Let's not forget that love stuff for our enemies. And those who persecute us. And those who use us. We must never forget the only way others will ever know God loves them is we love them for God. The kingdom of God exists under the lordship of King Jesus. It is distinctive in its value is that, it, that God's is to be loved and to be honored and to be obeyed. There are four things that we need to do in response to the Sermon on the Mound. First, 
we need to choose wisely. Jesus said the wise man builds his life on the sand. Y'all ought to be booing me. The wise man builds his life on the rock. Lord Jesus Christ. We build our life on Christ and his principles. And follow him. And worship him. We need to choose to live wisely. And we've been warned by Jesus that the world will offer us wonderful things. And it does, doesn't it? There's wonderful things out there that they offer us. But Jesus calls that the broad road, the broad way. And he warns that there's a different voice out there that will call us to different spiritual values and will call us away from God. And he says something about both ways, the broad way and that other voice lead one place, and that's to destruction. And thirdly, he warns us not to get it caught up with, the, with all the destructive things of the flesh. All of our own self-righteousness. Because when we do that, we miss the heart of God. We need to choose wisely. We need to choose according to the word of King Jesus. Secondly, we need to choose to be intimate with God. God has kicked open the doors. He's opened them wide, and he says, y'all, come. Everybody who's hungry, come. Everybody who's thirsty, come. And you know what? That, really, and that invitation is written in the blood of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He put him on the cross. So we could open the doors to his kingdom wide and invite all to come in. We need to set aside our busyness and carve out a moment so that we can pray and study God's word. That's why I've done this survey tonight. Hoping I can stir up your interest on the Sermon on the Mount. And this week and next week and next month and next month, you'll pray and study these three chapters because I guarantee you one thing, they will bless your heart and they'll make you richer in the kingdom. Thirdly, we need to commit to each other. One of the most pointed messages of this sermon is, do not judge that you not be judged. That means to stop being so judgmental in our attitudes and in our critical spirit. Stop backbiting. Then get the log out of our own eye 
so we can help the other guy get the speck out of his. Finally, and most important, we need to learn to trust God completely. Totally commit to trusting Him. To believe that He will supply all of our needs. To do what He's called us to do. One of the things that I've noticed about this Sermon on the Mount is when I get through reading it, I cry, I can't do that. I can't do that. And God says, no, you can't. I didn't intend for you to do it. I intended you to do it through my Holy Spirit that I've given you. And that's one of the lessons. That's maybe the main lesson here in the Sermon on the Mount. I can't do that. I love that, that, that saying. Lord, I can't. You never said I could. Lord, you can you always said you would. When we put Jesus first, then all of our physical needs will be met. And all of our spiritual needs will be met. After all, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling, leading, guiding, convicting, and he gives him that great gift to us. Not only does he guide us, he seals us until that great day of redemption. What a great gift the Holy Spirit is for us. I think we can sum up this whole thing today. I could have got this done with one sentence, but I wanted to save it to last, okay? That sentence is, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The wise shall live by faith. The wisest choice we can ever make is to say, Jesus, you're God and I'm not. Jesus, I'm going to depend upon you to meet my needs. I'm going to depend upon you to be the king of my life. And one of these days, I'm going to get to bow at your feet and say, thank you, thank you, thank you that you saved me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our guide. Thank you for meeting all of our needs. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for preparing for us a place that we can be with you. Thank you, Father, that you're teaching us here to be kingdom people. Father, we pray for Norman. We pray that he'll have a good time and he'll be relaxing and, and just having a great time with his family and, and come back charged up and ready to go to work again. Father, thank you for those who come tonight. We ask you to bless their life, bless their lives and their families, Father. We ask you to meet their needs as only you can and you will. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night.